Welcome to the Any Noise Experience, a podcast endurance noise, random musings, December 1st, 2020, 630 here in California on a chilly evening, but not as chilly as elsewhere. Got in a good workout this evening. Sadly, I have to start off this endurance news with a, um, a tragic death. Um, you know, I always say, you know, the first rule is stay healthy, be boring. And, you know, sometimes things happen and you just can't help it. But during these winter months, especially, you know, with conditions, the cold and whatnot, you need to be careful. I know a year or two ago we had several athletes fall in the winter uh, going out into the mountains uh, because of really the rainstorms or cold, icy conditions, especially here at Baldy. You know, we had a drought in California for many, many years when ultra running and trail running got popular. And so people were used to being able, especially in Southern California, hit their favorite trails throughout the year. But the past couple winters now, we're going back to a cold, wintry winters in California with rain and sometimes higher ups, snow. Unfortunately, um, to report, Andrew Hauser, a champion ultra runner, falls to death while crossing a stream during training. And it looks like she fell 140 meters during a training run. She's a Swiss ultra runner and mountain biker, had been on the top of sport over a decade, picking up podiums around the world. This article, which will be in the show notes, was from a Chinese uh, article. She's a Swiss runner, 46 years old. Um, in 2017, she won a race in Hong Kong, a 100-mile ultra trail uh, Hong Kong race. Um, I remember watching that. It was a pretty cool race. She also won Ultra Tour World Tour in 2017. Uh, missing report. Missing persons report was filed on Saturday to police in Bern, Switzerland, when Hauser did not return from training. Um, of course, you know, they went out for search and rescue, and we've had that unfortunately happen in Southern California numerous times. And unfortunately, Saturday afternoon, they found her um, below the creek. Um, she'd been competing in the elite level for over two decades. She was a European bicycle champion in 2002, finished the world championships in 2004. She was fourth and then did a mountain bike triathlons, cross country skiing. 2012, she became an ultra, started doing ultra running, and I saw many people giving tributes to her on Instagram. Um, uh, so, in fact, Casey Leitick, I guess, ran with her many times too. So, unfortunately, please, you know, be safe out there. Um, I know a lot of times you, you know, like myself, I train on my own, but sometimes when you're going out um, into the wilderness, it'd be better to bring somebody, you know, because things happen. Um, and so please be careful. On to a little better, uh, lighter hearted stuff here. I just saw this today. Um, it's interesting. U.S. Track and Field retweeted this and it says that Reese Witherspoon says, would anyone do a December run challenge with me? Or walk run, and uh, of course she's famous now for bringing so many women out into the wilderness with the book, um, the Cheryl Stray book, on uh, doing the PCT and finding oneself out there. So interesting that uh, Reese Winterspoon put out that tweet. Um, here in California, we're really going through some COVID times. Uh, the state might get locked down again. I've got this 26-hour race this weekend. Where in theory you're, we have a curfew from 10 a.m. to 5, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, our high school sports have been canceled, and I guess today uh, CIF, which runs our sports, says no state championships for fall sports, including cross country. CIF section championships are still possible, presuming we can maneuver the pandemic better. State championships for the winter and spring track and field remain unaffected, and that's from Rich Gonzalez. And hopefully we do have a sport it says. Um, that, um, you know, just with the 
circumstances and whatnot, it's just not going to be possible. Um, interesting, Let's Run did an uh, interview with uh, Jordan Hase, speaking of California track and field and cross country. I was fortunate I was coaching in Bakersfield High from 2006 to 2009 when Jordan was running, even though she lived on the coast at San Luis Obispo, she ran in the central section. So we got to see her at many track meets and all the cross country meets. Of course, she ran in Division 5 because she was at a small school. And it'll be interesting to see how she's doing. I thought she was going to be going to this Valencia um, half marathon, but I'm not sure if she's still going to be going to that. <coughs> and, of course, uh, she's been having some injuries. Uh, and, you know, she DNF'd in Chicago and came in 2016 Olympic trials. And, of course, her coach, Al, Alberto Salazar, has been banned from the sport for two years. So definitely things have been going on. And then remember her mother also passed away. A year or two ago, I remember her parents were super nice people. I talked to them quite often at meets, and um, just uh, I know she had a great support system with them. So here's hoping that she gets back on track, and uh, she won't be running in Tokyo next year. But hopefully, maybe she can get a tr- uh, um, try and go for that American record. Which, interestingly, you know, her coach now is Paul Radcliffe, who owns the women. Well, did own the women's re- world record until Bridget Koskai took one bettered it at Chicago, which one race that Jordan dropped out of. Um, follow this guy, Douchebag Ultra. You know, all these unknown people on the internets, but uh, he sometimes says some interesting stuff, and this one's interesting. It says, look up to runners and public figures and race directors. Ask yourself first, have I seen this person volunteering, crewing, pacing in the community, or are they all about self-promotion? Beware of the cult of personality. And I'm sure they're referring to a few people. One of the things that I've gotten in trouble arguing about is, especially this coming weekend, would be Western States Lottery, which I just looked up, and um, you know it's getting rolled over. If you got in last year, you get rolled over to this year, and you had to pay for it a while back. I mean, you paid already. So there won't be a lottery this year. Um, but one of the things, my big argument with the Western States, a couple big arguments, and I've gotten in with uh, A.J. Wilkerson and some of these guys. One, I think you should have to run a 100-mile race to qualify for the race, not be able to do 100K and then jump into it. Their argument is they want to see new people experiencing it and all that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, that's great, fine and dandy, but when you've got thousands of people trying to get into your race and it gets harder and harder and harder to do. In fact, I remember listening to a podcast one time talking about if you're a new runner, you just have to jump into races that you're not prepared for just so you can start collecting tickets so maybe someday you'll get in. And then the problem is if you actually get in and say you're really, you know, you struggled and barely make it through 100K and now you got in the Western States, you're not going to finish Western States. I've been there two years crewing and pacing 2016 and 2017, and it's a difficult course. All 100 miles are difficult, but you're just not going to roll up and do well. And especially, like, I go there and you watch it because everyone who's in the race – you know, in theory, did 100K, 100 mile. And most everyone's pretty competent runners. But I'll tell you, you see about mile 30, a lot of them are looking pretty beat up because they got to go up that big old four-mile climb at the beginning. By the time they get to mile 50 and have hit the canyons and the heat, a lot of people aren't doing very well and have so much pressure. So all I know is it's difficult to get in. But um, what I was going to say about it is kind of in turn with this volunteering, crewing, and pacing, I see a lot – I see often – People do Western states as like bucket lists. You know, they've done an Ironman or they you know did this or that, and now they want to run Western states. And so they'd go in and you know qualify and then get a lottery ticket. And then often these people, once they do Western states, they're one and done. 
you know, they they don't stay with the community. They don't, you know, put in the time. And so I found argue like, hey, you know, maybe make it a little bit more requirements like that you, you know, have to have some, you know, vol- you know, volunteering, crewing, pacing, something like that. I mean, bad water, which, you know, the race director picks the people in the race, but he does have qualifications of you've got to have three races. You sh- kind of have to go out there and crew and pace the race and and work the race and have some bona fides before they let you do the race. And I think that would be good. I know a number of people who basically have done Western States and then left the sport. And it's kind of like, you know, these tickets are precious. So, you know, it is what it is. On to another topic here. Um, it's uh, contrary to half-century locker room wisdom, being flexible doesn't seem to protect you from injury either. The case against stretching. And I've had this argument since I started running in 1979. I've never been flexible. I've never been able to touch my toes. Heck, I can barely touch my knees. But for 40 years, I've stayed healthy and competitive, except for my fall you know, back in March. And so I like this article. I've often argued about this, and I always show people like going, and it says the article is by Alex Hutchinson, who on Outside Magazine, also from Sweat Science. And he says, to be honest, writing another stretching article is useless. Um, feels a little bit like spiking the football. A decade ago, whenever I wrote about evidence suggesting traditional static stretching doesn't have any obvious benefits and might even impair performance, I'd get a stream of angry messages um, abrading me from my ignorance. These days, the battle is over. No one is obsessed with touching their toes anymore. And then it was kind of interesting, though, but unfortunately, he said, he then he saw an article and um, in sports medicine, the case for retire, retiring flexibility is a major component of physical education. And it showed in this study in 2016 that 650 personal trainers in the U.S., virtually all of them had certifications from the American College of Sports Medicine or National Strength and Conditioning Association. 80% of them still prescribe traditional stretching to their clients. And I can attest to this. Here in Bakersfield, I've been to gyms and boot camps and things like that, and I'm always amazed that so many of them are still doing the whole static stretching. And it's, you know... Even like um, sports medicine article said that uh, flexibility is still pegged as one of the five major components of physical fitness, along with body composition, cardiovascular endurance, muscle endurance, and muscle strength by that same American College of Sports Medicine. And, you know, in the 2018 edition of Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, Department of Health and Human Services also lists flexibility among its big five, this time alongside cardiorespiratory fitness, muscular fitness, balance, and speed. And what's interesting is, all these, you know, all the, you know, these two major organizations are saying stretching and, you know, flexibility is important, but they don't really say why, and that's what they kind of say in here, in the article. It says the guidelines state repeatedly that flexibility activities are an appropriate part of physical activity program, even though their health benefits are unknown, and it's unclear whether they reduce injury. So it's kind of like, why are we still recommending them? And so there's a number of articles and this. They talk about this one paper to focus on static stretching. You know, that's where, you know, sit and reach test in which you come close to touching your toes while sitting on the floor with your legs outstretched. The best way to improve flex, static flex, flexibility is with static stretching, which involves pushing to the edge of range of motion and holding a position for 20 to 30 seconds. It's quite different from dynamic stretching, which is more like a form of calisthenics and involves moving muscles through their typical range of motion. And, you know, when I started coaching, thankfully, in 2006, 
track and field and cross country coaches have gone to the dynamic step, you know, dynamic stretching. In fact, I had to learn kind of, especially in track, the A step, the B step, and the C step, you know, where you're doing high knees, uh, karaoke's, all kinds of dynamic stretches, and you weren't seeing that kind of stuff. So the article continues on. It says, so what does flexibility do for you? Um, and it says, greater flexibility as measured by a sit and reach test isn't associated with a longer life. And unlike the other four major components, you know, the, which do. And being flexible doesn't seem to protect you from injury. And I've done many, many studies and shown this. Um, it also says that being flexible doesn't improve your sports performance. You know, and it says, unless you're a gymnast, ballerina, hockey goaltender, you'd better be flexible. You know, a cyclist needs to be flexible to get into that aerodynamic position. And that's probably why back in the early 80s when I first started doing triathlons, I was a really good 40K rider on a standard bike. But then when the aero equipment came, my, you know, I rode like a 65-minute 40K with aero equipment. Uh, bars, I still rode a 65 where other people were taking minutes off just because I wasn't flexible enough to get into it. But that's probably why I stuck to running. It says if you're a runner, on the other hand, you're highly unlikely to sustain an injury and any connection to your inability to touch your toes. In fact, there's some evidence that greater flexibility makes you less efficient runner, presumably because you have tight springs in your legs, allowing you to store and return more energy with each stride. And I've read articles and they talked about it that, you know, the East Africans are notoriously stiff and can't touch their toes. And, you know, they, and so, you know, they're not very flexible and obviously they're crushing all these records. And it makes sense. You know, you want a bouncy ball. You don't want to be all loosey-goosey. And speaking about this, you know, something that I started way back in the 70s, you know, I played team sports and, my God, we used to waste so much time baseball and basketball and football doing all the static stretches in the late 70s. And so when I walked off that ball diamond in my sophomore year, because uh, I wasn't playing, and I went over to the track team, unfortunately I ran into the head football coach because he was part of the track team. And here I am, I'm trying to get, you know, run an hour, hour and a half a day, and he's wanting me to do all this static stretching and, you know, all these, you know, drills and stuff for like 30, 40 minutes, you know, with his sprinters and stuff. And, you know, as always, I got kind of a dispute and an argument and, one thing led to another, and I actually got kicked off the team. <laughs> of course, you know, me, I just went to the principal and everybody and sat him down and eventually convinced them that, you know, I, was, I didn't need to be, I, I knew what I was doing, and uh, eventually um, the rule was I had to show up for practice. Another football coach that I liked and I'd actually played JV football for my sophomore year, he was in charge of the shot put discus guys. So I would go over a report, check in with him, maybe th roll back, talk to them for a bit, and then go off and do my training. And I avoided the half an hour, 40 minutes of stretching out that I knew was useless back then. And I'm so glad to be proven right now. Um, so definitely I've had experience with this. So actually this is something that says stretching before, during, or after workout doesn't do anything to prevent subsequent muscle soreness. Another study. And here's something that I definitely love. It says, as for performance, there's solid evidence that holding a stretch for a minute or more temporarily decreases strength and speed for up to an hour, likely due to changes in neuromuscular signaling from the brain to the muscle. Wow. So that basically means, and this guy puts, he goes, he goes, that's pretty harsh irony. All the stretching that I did religiously before every race in the 1990s and early 2000s might have actually dulled my edge. So... Uh, you know, instead of spending all the time on flexibility, spend it on other activities that are going to give you bigger bang for your buck. Um, they suggest strength training, which is something I've been doing. I always recommend, you know, strength training once you put in a certain amount of miles. But, you know, I think about 10 hours a week 
once you got 10 hours a week on your feet, then you can kind of work on different things. You know, core is always good to do. But like I said, I do, you know, the kettlebell drills, I think are good. Full body drills. And in fact, with the kettlebell and then the full body, you know, instead of the machines, you are using your body in natural movements and stuff. In fact, that's kind of why I've been doing some CrossFit. And it says, basically it appears that being healthy and active is enough to maintain a reasonable level of flexibility. So, sounds like a good plan. I'm glad I saw that article. I'm glad people are finally coming to their senses. Um, one more story here before we go. It appears that uh, we're going to have, we had another person trying to go for records. M. M. Sesson is planning on trying to break Molly Huddle's America record in this weekend in Valencia which was that half marathon I was talking about. Um, she's looking to run 67 flat. Um, the American record is 67.25. And I thought that um, uh, Jordan Hase was going to be going there, but I don't think they're going to, but it's going to be a pretty good race, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it more um, this coming weekend. And she hasn't raced, uh, has a race since she dropped out of the Olympic trials, um, but it should be interesting to see how she does. People have been doing some pretty good times lately because I think they've been training more and racing less. And so, as always, stay healthy, be boring, not epic.